you desire to attend Bible college or seminary, but know that it would be incredibly difficult to uproot your family and move somewhere? Maybe you desire to attend seminary, but you don't want to leave your local congregation. Let me tell you about my seminary, Whitfield Theological Seminary. Whitfield is a conservative, confessional, classical, reformed seminary who wants to come alongside congregations and assist them in raising up a pastor. The training of a minister should be done alongside of a congregation. Whitfield offers online classes so that you can fulfill your calling without having to move your family or abandon your church. Go check them out at www.reformed.info. That is www.reformed.info. Tell them you heard about them on The Daily Brew. We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars, both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith. And even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Hey guys, let me tell you about our newest partner, the Dwell Bible app. Now, I'm confident you've listened to many audio Bibles growing up. Maybe it was on CDs, or maybe if you're a little bit older, it was on cassettes. Well, the Dwell Bible app really surpasses all of those, and here's why. So, maybe you were looking for a way that you can listen to the Bible in a year, and you want to make it all the way through the Bible in a year. Well, they have a plan for that in the Dwell Bible app. Not only do they have a plan for reading through the Bible in a year, but there's all kinds of other plans as well, and there's also thematic plans. So let's say maybe you're going through an issue like anxiety, and you're like, what does the Bible say about anxiety? And you want to listen to all these key verses on this particular theme. Well, the Dwell Bible app has themes that are set for that. Not only do they have themes, but they also have a whole list of amazing voices that you can listen to. I'm currently listening to a man named David who has an amazing accent read through the book of Jeremiah. Not only do they have multiple voices, but you also can couple it with background music like ambient background or maybe piano and cello. Um, Never before has it been so enjoyable to listen to the Bible. Let me tell you finally about the mission statement of this group. The Dwell Bible app seeks to make the Bible the soundtrack of your life. Go and check them out at dwellapp.io. That's dwellapp.io. This is The Daily Brew.
Brew. I am the host, Adam Holland. I have the joy to have with me today Dr. Vern Poitras. He is a professor at Westminster Theological Seminary, and he has recently written a book called The Mystery of the Trinity, A Trinitarian Approach to the Attributes of God. Uh, Dr. Poitras, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. We wanted to have you on today to discuss this new book and talk about uh, just some things within it. And one of the first things that we wanted to ask you about is, it seems like within the early church, one of the hotbed topics of discussion was the Trinity. They were trying to work out and understand um, how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit relate to one another. Uh, The first several councils within the church were solely focused on this Trinity. And many people think that those issues were resolved by this point. Why do you think it's important to write a book on the Trinity today in light of that all? Well, that's a good question. It's partly because the old heresies come back in new forms. And so there are several groups that claim to be Christian but involve old heresies. So it's never irrelevant to return to the topic. Um, My book is uh, trying to push the discussion forward as well to to see whether there's other things that we can learn, partly by reapplying the doctrine of the Trinity, which has been around, to uh, study of the attributes of God. Both things were there in the early church, but I think there's more to be said, and not in tension with what they said, but but just uh, enhancing what they said. That is a very helpful response. So, one of the that leads to our next question, actually. Um, how is it that the doctrine of the Trinity relates to the attributes of God? It seems like they are two separate categories, but within the book, you make a case those two things are related. How do those two things relate to one another? Well, in several ways. Uh, one is that each person in the Trinity is fully God. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And therefore, they have all of the attributes of God that are, tend to be listed in you know, classical lists. So, uh, God is infinite and all-knowing and uh, uh, present everywhere. Uh, he's all-powerful. Well, those attributes belong to each person of the Trinity. Uh, well, that's been acknowledged for centuries. But then in addition to that, um, it helps to understand how God relates to the world in a manner consistent with his attributes if you understand that his relation to the world is Trinitarian. And the third thing is that Actually, the attributes of God are, they are active among the persons of the Trinity. For example, God is loving. So love is an attribute of God. But it's also true that the Father loves the Son. So that, and that's a distinctive thing that is said in the Bible that um, shows that there's an internal activity in God even before he creates the world. Hmm. So, and that actually helps to head off 
some false reasoning that says, well, God needed the world or he needed to create human beings in order to have somebody love. Now there's already love uh, among the persons of the Trinity. I can remember when I first started attending a Bible college uh, when I was a little bit younger and attending a Bible college that was uh, near to my house and uh, it wasn't for theological reasons that I selected this one and mainly it was because of distance. But I remember sitting in a theology class and the professor uh, talking about why did God create us? And his response was, and I thought it was kind of shocking, that God created us uh, because he needed us. Uh, if God was love, then he had to create us uh, because he needed something to love. And I remember at the time thinking that was strange, but I wasn't able to defend myself or articulate uh, why that was uh, not the case. Uh, but yeah, it definitely still is being taught today. I have one more question for you, and then we always try to toss in one fun question as well. But um, one of the things that you discuss in the book is one of the reasons man has difficulty in understanding God is because man is finite and God is infinite. Why does that uh, play a role in man's understanding of who God is and his character and his attributes? Why is it that that causes difficulty or confusion in regards to uh, who God is and our understanding of him? Well, it shouldn't create difficulty, and it did not create difficulty until sin entered in. Because uh, Adam and Eve were made, they were finite creatures just like us. And they had communion with God, and they knew God, and they knew things about God, though they had to grow. Again, like finite creatures, they is intended by God that they should grow in knowledge. There was no problem because man made, uh, God created man in the image of God uh, to be reflecting God on a finite level, and that includes in the level of knowledge. So God knows himself comprehensively and completely. And then human beings who are in his image, we can know him truly, though we don't know him in the same way that he knows himself. So all that is built into the way God created us. But the fall represents a radical change in that situation because communion with God is broken. And one of the things that Satan tempted Adam and Eve is with was to say, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, that's near the heart of what sin is. It's an attempt to be God, to be your own tin God, as it were. And when you do that, then you insist on knowing God on the same level that he knows himself. So you, you won't stop until you've understood everything completely. Well, that leads to heresies of the Trinity, because the Trinity is not completely understandable by us. So people get things that they can understand and use them as replacements for the true God. So it becomes a problem, because our fallen human nature is saying, I want to be God, and I want to understand independently of God, but uh, with the same comprehensiveness that he understands. So then finiteness becomes a problem. But the real problem is actually not being finite, it's being sinful. We always try to toss in a few uh, fun questions for our listeners as well. Who are some of the guys who have influenced you over time and really developed you into the theologian that you are? So who are some of the guys, whether it be theologically, historically, um, 
pastorally, who are some of the guys who've influenced you and kind of shaped your understanding of the Bible? Mm. Well, I was a student at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia before I became a teacher, a professor there. And when I was there, the whole seminary curriculum influenced me deeply. But if I had to single out people, it would be John Frame and Edmund Clowney. I've uh, had the joy, I uh, was at RTS for a short period of time, and I had the joy of taking classes with him and, and now uh, teach uh, Bible in the middle school and high school setting. And uh, whenever we get to 12th grade apologetics and we go through apologetics, um, I call him and ask him if he wouldn't mind. Uh, for the last few years, he's lectured for us on presuppositional apologetics. So he's, uh, Dr. Frame has shaped my theology as well. So I can definitely mm-hmm. relate to that. Mm-hmm. And then now in biblical theology, uh, Edmund Clowney. Uh, so I, I never had the joy of meeting him, but uh, his his writings have uh, definitely influenced me as well. So very cool. Um, and then one last final question, uh, fun question for you as well, is uh, whenever you're not writing or teaching, what do you do for fun? What do I do for? Uh, for fun. For fun. Uh, <laughs> well, it's mostly... Uh, uh, do things with my wife. Our children, we have two boys, they're grown up, um, so we enjoy maintaining contact with them, but but also my wife and I, we, uh, we, we do jigsaw puzzles, we read books together, we, you know, we do a lot of talking, so it's that kind of thing. Mm, very cool. Do you, do you have any favorite writers? Well, one of them is the obvious one, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien. Amen. I'm uh, making my way through his space trilogy uh, currently. I've uh, never read through the series. Uh, I've read a lot of his his fiction series, but currently working my way through his space trilogy through the first time, so uh, Mm. I'm very much enjoying that. Well, Dr. Poythers, thank you so much for taking time to join the call, um, and thank you for your ministry. I know that your writing has definitely shaped uh, my understanding of the Bible and theology. Um, it's always a joy to bring on people who are uh, some of my spiritual heroes, so uh, thank you for all that you do, sir. Well, good. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs>